Hello and welcome to Inspect, a podcast about design and development. My name is Ajay and with me as usual is Kay. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Excellent, excellent. Cool. Um, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about our favourite mobile apps. Um, so I'm an iPhone user. Um, I currently use an iPhone 6S. I know it's getting on a little bit, but uh, still still works fine. So that's all good. And uh, Kay, you're an Android user, yeah? Yeah, I've got the Samsung S9 Plus, which is, yeah, a bit old now as well. But I think it's the best one out of all the bunch that come out. So, yeah, I'll stick with this. Yeah, these phones, they do, um, they are built to last, really. So unless you're always looking for the, you know, the latest and greatest features, um, I think they, they pretty much last as long as you need them to. Um, the iPhone 6S, I think this is probably going to be my final year with it, uh, that it's going to actually get software updates. Because, um, right. yeah, iOS 13, which is due to come out pretty soon, uh, sometime in September, I believe. Um, it does still support the success, but I don't think 14 will. I think they're going to get rid of that. So I think by next year, I'll probably definitely have to um, upgrade to something. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch the the Apple event this week? iPhone 11, 11 Pro? No, I, I caught some uh, clips of it and uh, saw the fallout on, <laughs> on social media. Yeah, the usual, <laughs> isn't it? You know, yeah. people love it and hate it at the same time. Yeah, same old kind of stuff, really. I mean, they're they're just doing what everyone else is doing, and uh, you know, with the multiple lenses and things like that. That's the biggest, uh, you know, aesthetic feature that's on the phone, right? Yeah, that's it. It's all, it's all about the camera now, isn't it? The, I think most phones are all about the camera. Um, yeah, so yeah, they're going to make a big deal about that. Um, I'll, oh yeah, I'll probably head out to the Apple Store at some point to go and have a look at it, but I think I'll hold off for a few months before I try and invest in something. Yeah, one one um, new feature apparently I don't know if it's true or not that they've got on the phone is a, a portrait mode for uh, your pet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, previously the portrait mode it, it would recognise human faces only, but yeah, they're yeah. changing it now so that it can work on not just pets. It, it works on other objects as well, so you can so you can get some nice background blur on you know a vase full of flowers if you wanted to now I suppose, which is good you know if you're into your photography then that's one of the things you need. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into this. Let's get into our apps. Cool. So, I, I suppose what we can do is leave off some of the some of the stock apps that come with the phone, or well, come with the platform, should I say? Because um, chances are, you know, we're all going to be using those anyway, uh, in some sort of capacity. Yeah. And um, I think we should leave off some of the very common things like Facebook and Twitter. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. All the social stuff. You know. I th- I think it's fairly fairly standard that people are using those apps and, you know, all right, you might be using a Twitter client. Um, so if you are, you can potentially talk about that, but I use the stock one, so I haven't really got much to say there. Um, sure. So, yeah, so shall we just take it by category by category? We've got uh, some productivity apps, we've got some media-related ones, some games, um, utilities that we use, um, social if you want, and then... Um, just like a, a mixed bag where they don't really fit into any sort of category. Um, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, so which one should yeah. we kick off with? Um, let's go with, I think we might, could start with productivity. All right, you go ahead. Okay, um, so I've got uh, three, four, five um, productivity apps that I'm using, and I think they, they coincide with like the desktop apps and websites as well um, yeah, so, that are available. So just to clarify, these are apps that you use the most and you yeah, use pretty much exactly. on a daily basis, not just any yeah. other apps that you like. 
Exactly. Yeah. So the first one I've got there is Trello, um, which I use for project management, um, managing client work, and also just managing my own life, if you like, day to day. And this um, podcast kind of as well. And this podcast. Yeah. Um. You know, it's a it's a brilliant app, and when I introduce a client to Trello, they just get the hang of it within minutes, and they love it as well. So, um, on the phone, it's really really easy to use. Uh, it's just literally a lot of swiping involved. Um, it's a case of creating a card and dropping a card into a column and you know setting your checklist within that card and due dates and things like that and you can also um, add people onto the card as well so they know what's going on um, yeah I've tried loads of project management tools out there I think I've probably tried every single one that's out there um, even things like a Todoist and you know list it and all this kind of stuff but I think Trello works really well on mobile as well as a desktop, and I'm constantly using it and referring to it. Yeah, I think it's pretty impressive how they managed to get the same sort of UX uh, that you've got on the web into their mobile app yeah. as well. The way you can exactly. where you can drag cards around and you know, sort of zoom out in your workspace and see all of your columns. Um, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a task to create that into a mobile interface, but they don't they pulled it off really well. It, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. And Trello were acquired by Atlassian. Um, was it about two years ago, maybe? Yeah, something exactly like that. When it was. I haven't noticed much change, so I'm glad that they haven't ruined the product and they haven't made it mm. into a like a. They haven't corporate. What's the word? They haven't put their corporate paintbrush to it. Um, yeah. Which is nice, but yeah, I wonder if they are going to do any sort of crossover between Atlassian, which obviously creates Jira. Um, Jira, and, yeah, that, um, that's a bit more complex, isn't it? Yeah, it's obviously and definitely more enterprise developers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, I use Trello as well. Um, I don't use Trello much on my phone. I just literally have it there for for notifications. Um, I mainly just use it on the desktop. Okay. Yeah, my main sort of productivity app I use is Todoist. So I use that for work to create to do lists for work. I think I mentioned it on the podcast as well before. Um, yeah, some of the reasons why I like it. Um, and I also use it personally as well. So we've got some shared lists that me and my wife use and um, put it all wired up to the Amazon Echo and um, to the Google Home as well. So yeah, we use it around the house, you know, shopping lists and to-do lists and reminders, um, all sorts. Uh, it's really good. really like to- uh, Todoist. Yeah, I used to use that, um, well, this is a while ago now, um, and I think it was probably one of the only ones that I actually started using on a regular basis. Um, it was really simple to use. I think it's still the kind of same sort of layer. It hasn't changed much, has it, from about a year ago? No, so. not, not since I've been using same it. Same kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed using it. I've still got it integrated with Slack. Um, but, yeah, I've just kind of just fallen off that and just kind of just stick to Trello and I just stick to one. Yeah. Thing. No, fair enough. Yeah, yeah I, it, is, it is pretty cool. I do go through like to-do list apps and these sorts of note-taking apps quite a lot uh, to try and find you know the best sort of workflow. And uh, to-do list is ticking almost all the boxes. Um, I haven't got a premium account with it, and I think if I did get the premium account, they may it may just unlock enough features for me to to go you know to make it my number one app. Um, but at the moment, it's 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 just good enough. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so my next productivity app, and, and this one's kind of like a, um, nothing to do with, um, well, you could associate with work and things like that, but um, it's called Loop Habit Tracker, and I just started using it recently, and what I'm trying to do with it is 
um, track things that I want to be doing on a regular basis, um, which I associate with like good habits. So, for example, I play five-a-side football, and I try and attend five-a-side football twice a week. Um, I go to the gym four or five days a week. Um, reading, I try and do a little bit of reading here and there. Um, there's another app that I use, I'll mention later on. Um, um, so what I do is I just use Loop Habit Tracker to create um, a list of things, of good habits that I'm doing, that I want to be doing throughout the week. And I simply just tap or tick off each time I do that particular thing. And you can go back and have a look at your you know, productivity and it'll create a chart for you and show you how consistent you are with your habits. So um, yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty good app. It's very lightweight as well. Um, I recommend it to anyone who wants to start building, you know, habits around. Yeah, well, just uh, just having a quick like search, and uh, it looks like it's Android only. That one is. Yeah. Um, I've used a different habit tracker in the past. Uh, it's literally just called Habit, uh, Habit Daily Tracker, and there's also one yeah. called Done. Um, yeah. But I found that I just wasn't doing it. I wasn't actually marking mm. this stuff off, even though I might have been actually doing the activity. I was then forgetting to log it, so. Was it was it prompting you when you? Yeah, like, yeah, there day? was prompts as well. Um, but I'm the sort of person that if I get too many of the same prompt, they just they fade into the background. Right. So then, um, yeah, I, I did stop using it. Uh, it'd be good to actually to get back into that. Um, yeah, this one's pretty cool. I mean, it's really lightweight and it's not you know obtrusive. It doesn't get in your face. So I've got a prompt and it'll. Um, remind me every day at a certain time like have you have you read something today have you been to the gym yeah have you you know been football but i'll only set it for those days where i'm supposed to be doing those things okay like reading will be every day and then football will be like tuesdays and thursdays and uh gym will be you know four or five t- days a week so yeah you know it's a very very sort of like you know um uh you know out of the way kind of thing it's not like in your face and put you know one of those things that puts you off it's it's subtle, so you can just, you know, tick it off and it reminds you as well. Like, you might be going through half the day, you haven't read anything. It's like, oh crap, okay, let me read something. And, you know, it works well like that. Okay. Well, maybe I should get back onto one of these and pick up some. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll, um, I'll have a little word with you about how you've configured yours and what sort of what sort of habits you want to track as well. Uh, I think that was the initial thing that put me off, not put me off, but stopped me from using it because I didn't really know what to track. Um, and I didn't want to track things like, drinking water and um, nah, you know, nah. standing up and stuff like that because I've got a Fitbit as well which reminds you to, to move around and get a bit of exercise so um, yeah maybe we can talk about that I think th- this thing falls into th- um, in a category where you've got let's say you've got you've got um, hobbies and things you know like you'd like to do that you used to do right um, but you just don't get a chance to do it but you'd really love to like one one thing that I like doing is reading comic books so that's part of my reading thing so you know I just I've got a collection of comic books which I bought recently and, you know, I'll read a couple of pages and uh, just immerse myself in it and just lose myself, you know, around the daily work and lifestyle kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I think things like that are pretty cool. Any kind of uh, thing like that would, be, would work really well with it. Yeah. Right. Oh, cool. Moving on. Um, yeah, my next one is Evernote, which I use for everything pretty much. Um, I, I, yeah. I kind of stayed away from the stock notes app on iOS and Mac um, because there was a point a few years ago where I had to use a Windows machine at work. So I wanted to make sure that I've got a cross-platform notes tool and uh, Evernote ticked all the boxes there. And then uh, the main thing I do with Evernote actually is uh, using it 
as a digital archive for paperwork. Right. So anytime I get an important letter through, um, I will scan it using um, Evernote's Evernote have a, a, like a companion app called Scannable. Okay. So I'll basically take a photo, uh, multiple pages if I need to as well to create a PDF, scan those, and then upload it to Evernote, categorize it, put it into a folder, add tags, give it a you know a reasonable name, descriptive name. Yeah. And then I'll get rid of the paper letter. And I did this um, about a year and a half ago when I was about to move house. I digitized all my paperwork that I had. I spent like two days just going through all of it. And now I've just gone into that habit now of keeping everything digital. Um, yeah. Yeah. So try to go completely paperless wherever I can now. Um, yeah, even no, that's pretty good. Like even like product manuals. Um, if I buy a new product and the manual is in the box, then um, I'll have a look on the website see if they've got a downloadable manuals instead. Yeah. Yeah. Save it to Evernote and then just chuck the printed one away. Uh, I never thought about that. See, one thing that I've been doing is um, just killing off my um, paper uh, like banking. So any statements that come through, you know, you just, they just pile up and it's like, you know, where do you put them? Yeah. Um, so I didn't think about that, so the way you're doing it. So that would be interesting with um, any kind of important letters that I'm getting through. So I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite easy, especially with Scannable, uh, which is one of my yeah. main used apps as well. Um, make a note. Scannable, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's by Evernote. Um, I think you can do all this without the Scannable app as well. You could just use the Evernote one, but Scannable has a really nice interface and uh the whole workflow of it is really good um okay yeah it's all really easy and uh, evernote gives you quite a lot of storage for free as well um so i haven't had to to um upgrade my account yet and i've got cool. a lot of stuff in there all nicely organized yeah, yeah. yeah i've got i've got that on my list i've got evernote on my list as well and yeah it's for quick notes and and that's all I really use it for, really. Um, if I'm talking to a client on the phone and they're just talking to me about certain things they want amended on a website or, or things like that, then I'll just jot it down quickly in Evernote. Yeah. And then from Evernote, it'll go into you know Trello, you know, set it up as a proper task and stuff. Yeah, that's how that's how I use it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about you know going digital with your banking. Um, mm. With my banking app, uh, well, I suppose you can go to the sort of banking category now um i use an app called monzo so that is my bank account it's monzo and um with them you just don't get any statements anyway ever they they do generate a statement in the background so if you ever do need one you can go into your account settings and you can find a pdf statement which you can then from the from the mobile app you can either then email it to yourself or you can just save it save it to dropbox or save it to you know your files app or something like that um but yeah nothing ever comes in the post completely all digital digital bank yeah i started using it um was it six to eight months ago and then me and my wife just recently got a joint account as well and um it's 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 amazing how seamless it all is it's just so yeah. cool um i love it yeah and it it works really well and you know you can see exactly what's going on where it's money's being spent <laughs> which which probably ain't. you get notifications when your wife spends something yeah which, which isn't a cool thing uh, when i'm out with the boys having a drink or six. <laughs> well, that shouldn't be from your joint account. Yeah, but yeah, it happens sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> when you've had a few. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I, I I use Monzo as well. But um, the other one that I've just signed up to is Tide. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about Tide. Mm -hmm. they're, they're that new business banking app. Um, a bank without a bank. Uh, so there's no physical bank. And it's just pretty much like Monzo, but it's for you know business users. 
So I've just started using that. And um, yeah, it's just brilliant. It's for, for business banking, because I'm with HSBC uh, with my, well, I was with HSBC, um, you know, as a business uh, user. And they they were like 10 years behind everything. You know, you still got a fob. And they've only just recently got the whole fingerprint uh, recognition set up now. So, and now it's becoming a bit more kind of like um, how you know how Tide works and how these banking apps should be working. But their their you know their fees and their charges and interest and things like that is just ridiculous. And I've been with them for what over ten years now, and it, you know it just doesn't make any sense to stick with them. So yeah, I just made the switch to Tide, and everything's just cheaper. It's easier to monitor and manage. And um, it syncs really well with my with the other um, app that I'm uh, going to mention. That's Free Agent for my accounting. Right. And uh, they work really well together. They they are seamless. Um, so yeah, I've got like a little package there now for my uh, finance and business uh, accounts and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So- yeah. The banking they do really live up to their their stigma, don't they, of being a bit backwards. Mm. And um, you know these new uh, these new sort of banking companies that are shaking up the industry like monzo tide even apple apple pay and yeah there's so many of them now they're really changing the whole sort of landscape of mobile banking and it's brilliant yeah i think it's about time we had some disruption in the industry because they've you know the big boys they've been running it for for how long now and someone's got to come up with some really you know nifty kind of ways of uh allowing people to just manage their you know finances you know monzo and things like that brilliant starling's another one um i haven't used that one but um my wife swears by it and says it's better than monzo but <laughs> okay you gotta just pick yeah. one and stick with it as long as you can you can't you can't exactly. keep jumping around banking apps like you can no, with everything else you, you can't. So. i think they're all the same uh, the ux and everything's very very similar they all work the same way um it's gonna the differences are going to be in the fees that they they charge obviously and and that's about it really. mm-hmm. i can't think of anything else yeah. yeah okay cool right what's the next category um, I think utilities because I, I touched on utility one of the ones that I've got uh, which was scannable so the yeah. utilities apps so these are things that are you know there to sort of assist in a certain task um, for me anyway so they're not necessarily apps that you go to very often but they're, they're, they're there to uh, as, as a as a tool to uh, get something particular done with maybe a different app so I mentioned Scannable already for digitizing my documents. Um, the one I use pretty much every day, multiple times a day, is uh, One Password, and um, also Authy, which is a um, a two-factor verification app, similar to Google Authenticator. Um, that's the one I use. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that's cool. Um, Authy. I really like Authy because, um, firstly, it's got a desktop app uh, on Mac anyway. Uh, it's also got a Chrome app, so it's sitting there right in your browser. So you don't need to always get to your phone to get the code. You can just sort of get it from your Chrome tab and obviously the, the phone app as well. Um, one one issue I found with Google Authenticator is that if you ever were to change your phone or if you, you know, lose your phone, then um, it's actually a hell of a lot of work to to get those codes again, to get things set up uh, on your on your new device. Whereas with Authy, because you've got access to it via desktop as well, uh, if you lose your phone, then you can still get get your codes and you can still, you know, um, reconfigure all your different services that you use. Um, mm. So Google Authenticator, they do need to work on that. So 
I don't know if you you probably haven't experienced this yet, but when it happens, <laughs> I did have it. I I had the I had this problem with um yeah exactly what you said, and it was just a nightmare. The whole thing just like you know it crashed and my world crashed around me. I had to set up everything again. It was just a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So have a look into Authy. It doesn't obviously you're gonna to have to go through the initial setup of porting everything over to it. Um, but it's a lot more portable once once you are set up in there, and uh, you know you can access it from multiple devices. Um, cool. Yeah, so that's all the uh, one password. I think it's fairly um, self-explanatory what that's for. So yeah, I've got that you as well. Your one master password that you need to remember, and then um, all mm-hmm. your other services or every all the websites that you use. Uh, one password creates these uh, highly secure, difficult to crack passwords and stores them all in there, so you never have to pa- remember a password again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I I used to be so bad like that. You know, I used to. Have, I, I knew the the apps were there. I knew they were there for your browser as well, like LastPass and things like that. And but I just could never be bothered, bothered to set them up. But then you know, I just got into the habit of um, you know using it, and yeah, it's just foolproof now. Everything just makes sense. You just don't have to worry about. You don't get into that situation where you forget your password, then you reset your password. Yeah. And you create exactly. a new password, and it's. You know, and it's just a nightmare. But these these little utilities are brilliant. So yeah, yeah, one password. Um, yeah. Another one I've started using more recently is uh, obviously iOS only, but um, the Shortcuts app. So okay, um, Shortcuts. They they used to be an app called Workflow. In fact, it still still exists. Uh, and Apple uh, acquired that company and uh, basically created the Shortcuts app in uh, iOS twelve, and. Um, it just basically lets you do little automations. Um, so they've got a few, quite a few um, shortcuts predefined in the app. Um, most of them are fairly pointless, the the default ones. But there's a massive community. There's a Reddit, um, a subreddit for shortcuts, where people have created some really interesting uh, like utilities. So um, I'll just open mine and give you an example of some of the ones that I use. Yeah, a lot of the default ones that come with it are things like, um, you know, playing a, a certain playlist on iTunes or Apple Music, sorry, or um, quickly launching directions to get you home uh, and stuff like that. So they're not very complex things to do, but then uh, the community have created these things like um, give me the price history of an Amazon product um, using that Camel 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 service. I don't know if you've ever used that, but look into that one as well. Um, I've heard of that. Yeah, uh, you can. There's one where it's called Zip and Share, so you can just select multiple photos, and it creates a zip file, and then it opens up the share sheet, so that you can just quickly email it or um, send it via a different app. Uh, there's one about um, if you've got an Amazon referral link, then you can from the Amazon app. There's no way of getting your referral link at the moment, so someone's created a shortcut where you can hit share share product from the Amazon app, and that will create an eff- a referral link as well, an affiliate link, which you can then which oh, you can then text cool. to someone. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, getting random desktop wallpapers onto your phone every day. There's just all sorts of things. Um, expanding like shortened URLs before actually opening them, so you can get a preview of. That's a handy one. Yeah, that's a really good one. So you can get a preview of that URL before you actually decide to click on it. So it's, uh, it's always a risk with shortened URLs. You just don't know where they're gonna go. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It sounds very similar to Google's um, suite on Android. Um, 
So what I've got on mine, so I use Google Maps, you know, when I'm driving around going from A to B sometimes, you know, Google Maps is sort of like my default go-to or what you've got ways. But Google just works so well with uh, the whole Android setup. Like I'll get up in the morning and get ready to go to the office and then I'll get a notification from Google Maps telling me it's going to take this long to get to the office because you've got traffic. Um, it will say avoid this route, try this route. It'll take 15 minutes rather than half an hour. And I think that's pretty cool um, that it's, you know, kind of um, learn my whole, you know, my route, my, um, you know, the frequency, the time I get up, how often I go. Um, and it's just recently started to ping me football as well, which is pretty crazy. Like it's kind of learned how often I go to football and it's kind of like telling me, OK, avoid this route, take this route um, like an hour before I'm due to go. It's, it's, it's scary, but... Um, it's, it's helpful. It bloody helps. And exactly where you've been, where you're going to go next. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and that's the other side of it. You can actually go through your history of your travel and it will tell you exactly where you went, um, how long you were there and your whole route and things like that, which is, um, yeah, it's pretty mad. But yeah, but that suite works well. So that's just part of Google Assistant then? Yeah, yeah. It's all part of the suite. Um, just yesterday, I, I, was, I was talking to myself and my phone picked it up and Google... Um, said why are you sad I, I might have mentioned the word sad in a sentence or something to myself i don't know and then it said it just pinged that it just pinged at me because why are you sad and then there were some options to respond to it so i just said uh too much work and it said can i uh, divert your attention for a few minutes and let's play a game kind of thing right. and it started telling me riddles and jokes and yeah i just fully got immersed for about five minutes and and after that i was happy again so it was all cool <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's mad it really is all right talking of being immersed what about games? You much of a gamer? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love my gaming, man. Um, the thing with gaming for me is I need to be on the on an actual solid piece of kit to be enjoying my gaming. So you know, the PlayStation Four is my my gaming machine. I used to be a PC gamer years ago, um, but I've moved to PS Four. Um, before that, I was a Nintendo guy as well. So, um, but on the mobile, mobile gaming, I've got um, so Football Manager. I love that game. So I've got the mobile version of that and it's just really, really addictive. I mean, you can have it on in the background, landscape mode, and just, just play casually while you're working and just, you know, refer back to it whenever you like. Um, it's like football managers, like a proper tactical kind of thing. So you can spend literally hours or days on doing like picking your team and setting up for your next opponent and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. You play at your own leisure. Um, Sim City is another one. Um, used to play it on the PC and I just used to love building these cities and watch you know the city grow on the computer but the mobile version is really cool you can battle other people with other cities and create natural disasters and you know get ufos to like destroy their city and this is crazy it's just mad i ain't played it in a while but i do love that game and the other one i started playing was the new formula one game uh, car racing and um, with uh, with the android um you, you know you can um, project the we can do most phones as long as your tv accepts it you can project uh, onto the tv screen and use your phone as a steering wheel so you're in the car and just kind of move your phone to the right to the left oh that's cool and it's pretty cool and it's it's very close what i've heard is very very close to uh, the f1 game that you get on the playstation um, in terms of graphics and everything. okay so impressive those are the main three that i'm that I'm playing on and off at the moment. Okay. Um, I'm not a heavy gamer uh, mobile. What I tend to do is I, I'll normally, if I find a game that I like, 
I'll immerse myself in that one game for just just exclusively play that one game until I till I've completed it basically. Okay. And then I tend to just not touch it again and then get rid of it and then maybe come to come to a different game. So like in the past, like games that I've really gone full out on are things like uh, I, I like like puzzles and platformers. So things like Angry Birds, I was well well yeah. into that when it first came out. Um, and then like Super Mario Run when that came out, uh, yeah, spent a few few months just playing that exclusively. Currently, I'm on Doctor Mario, um, which is cool. Is it? I suppose it's a little bit like it's not like the original Doctor Mario game on the NES. It's slightly different from that. It's a bit more like say Candy Crush now. You know where you're sort of lining up um, colors yeah. and shapes. So it's that sort of game, but it's it's. It's got a nice little Nintendo element to it, so it's it's pretty fun. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing with um, these mobile phone games, right? They've all they've, there's a certain number of formats of games, and then a, a title will come out, and it will just basically it's just like a copy and paste of a previous game. True, and you know it's like a reskinned like version of a previous game yeah. on mobile. That's what I found. Yeah, true, true. There've been a few like quite unique ones. Like there's one called Monument Valley. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. It was basically like a, um, what's the word, uh, an isometric grid. And right. So you had this little character, and um, you had to you had to walk your character from point A to point B on on this. Uh, okay. It's like a rotating map, rotating building, but it's a three D isometric one. And so, like, you could move. Let's say you've got a, a straight line that you're walking along, um, and then there's a something blocking your path. From one angle, it might be blocking your path, but if you rotate the camera, you can you, oh, you'll, right, you'll, okay. you'll be able to see something where it's not blocking your path, and you can walk through it. Then all of a sudden, so yeah, it's it's hard to explain, obviously, uh, on audio, but it's a brilliant game. Um, and they released uh, Monument Valley one and then two, and both of the games they weren't very big because they must have put in so much effort into these levels. They obviously couldn't spend forever building this game, so they they didn't have many levels. Um, so they were fairly short lived. Um, but right. I don't know if a monument level monument valley three is coming out or not. But if it is, it's definitely worth getting. Um, I'll look into that. Yeah, again, I'm not sure if it's on Android. It's definitely on iOS. Okay. Um, another brilliant game, which is definitely iOS only, is called Black Box. And uh, okay. basically, what it is is. Um, it uses your phone's features. It's basically a puzzle game where you you use the features of your phone to unlock the puzzles. So right. it's very cryptic. So th- there's a level, for example, where the screen is completely blank, and then where the the mute switch is on the phone. Yeah. Just on the screen next to that, there might be like a little, uh, like a dot glowing or something. So to solve okay. that level, all you need to do is mute your phone. And or, un, or right, un, okay. just flick that switch basically, and there'll be another one where um, you know there might just be a line on on the screen, just a a, a straight line, and uh, as yeah. you move your phone, the gyroscope kicks in, and then that line is moving, and uh, to solve it, you basically need to get your phone into a at a certain angle, like it needs to be perfectly horizontal or perfectly portrait. Oh, that's interesting. So it's really good. Um, some of them are really difficult. Um, yeah. Again, it's got a limited amount of levels, and one, and there haven't been any new levels released on there for, I don't know, in the last year, I don't think. 
So it's it's reached its end of life. So hopefully, may, maybe it's just with the iPhone success, it's reached an end of life. I don't know if some of the, the newer phones might have got newer features, so they may get different levels. Um, yeah. But yeah. I've I've completed all the levels available to me. But again, brilliant, brilliant game. That's interesting. Yeah. There's one more I want to mention that I, that I play. I forgot about it. Uh, it's, a, it's called Happy Glass. And you've basically got an empty glass at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. And at the top, you've got like a tap. And water will come out of the tap. And what you've got to do is draw with your finger like a line. And then that line will probably sit on like a shape or something. And then it will help to pour the water into the glass. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those kind of games are pretty cool. Yeah, I like games like that. I used to play one called Where's My Water? Which I think was a Disney Disney game, I think. And um, okay. it was the same sort of thing. There was a, a water pipe uh, that had burst at the top of the screen. And um, there was a crocodile. It's all set on the <laughs> ground. And there was a crocodile at the yeah. bottom of the screen. And you had to get the water to the crocodile, basically. Yeah, good game. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I do. Actually, I do play games on my phone, apparently. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I just don't play them very often. Like I said, <laughs> I just immerse myself in one game for for months. Uh, that's cool. Radio. Um, what about media? Like photo, audio, video? We mentioned at the start of the show that, you know, the phones are all about the camera these days. So there's got to be some camera apps that you use. Yeah, exactly. I think the main one I'm using is um, Snapseed. You know, I'm keen on, on photography as well. Maybe that should go in my habits, actually. Uh, take an interesting photograph every day uh, but I use Snapseed to edit um, any kind of like photos that I've taken on my phone and it's really really powerful piece of kit it's probably as good as um, Lightroom I think um, in terms of all the, the options available and all the filters and different effects and uh, uh, you know graphs and charts you can use to manipulate your your images um, I'm using, I use that a lot um, I think every other day I'm using it um, especially for like prepping an image for a social media post. Um, it's really powerful. And I found out recently that literally everyone I know who's on Android is using it. Okay. Um, but I, I thought it was one of these sort of like, you know, well-kept secrets, but it's not like everyone knows. It's not a stock app, is it? No, it's not. No, okay. no. Because I, I thought Snapseed was bought out by Google. Maybe, um, maybe. maybe I read that wrong. So it could be that it's on, on there by default. No, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, hmm. definitely downloaded it. Um, cool. It is pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, the one I the one I use mainly is uh, Darkroom, which I mentioned um, on previous episode. Um, yeah, really powerful, brilliant app. Uh, it's available on iPhone and iPad. The iPad interface looks really nice. I don't have an iPad though, so I can't use it. But yeah, you know, looking at the screenshots, it looks really nice. Um, you know, it's called Darkroom. It's very similar to Lightroom but without the subscription. Um, I think I mentioned when I was, when I spoke about it last time, I mentioned that it was nine ninety nine to buy the app, but it's actually a free app. Oh, okay. Um, it's just nine ninety nine to unlock all of the different filters and features. So it gives you quite a lot for free. It, it just locks certain tools like um, the, the, the curve tool, the tone, tone curves, and it, uh, it locks a few of the pre-made um, filters. But um, most of the app is actually unlocked for free anyway. But it's worth it's worth paying for it because um, the tools that it does unlock are pretty useful. And yeah, I mm. use it use it for everything. Um, it integrates with the with the edit. It's got an edit widget as well. So on iOS, basically, when you take a photo and then you click on edit, 
Um, so if you've got other editing tools, uh, editing apps installed, some of those will appear as your your options for editing. So you don't have to use the iOS editing see. options. You can open, you can basically open that image directly in another app, edit it, and then when you close it, you get it takes you back to your camera roll. Right. Okay. That's something I need to figure out because on my on on Android, um, when you open up an image and you edit it, it uses the native editor. Yeah. So I need to find a way of changing that. There must be a way Probably of doing it. Probably is, that. yeah. If anyone knows, maybe mm. you can write in, tweet us, inspect FM, let Kay know how to do it. Um, but yeah, because the the native editing tools on iOS, they're pretty good. Um, but there's only like six filters in there and you can't edit those filters. So if you're not, you know, they don't always work with every photo. And then the granular controls, they, um, they're, they're fairly limited on the iPhone. Um, there's a lot more controls on the desktop app, the photos app on the Mac, but on the iPhone, they've, they've limited it. So I use Darkroom for all my editing, all my photo editing. Cool. Yeah. And then I use this other app. It's not, I don't use it very often. It's called Annotate Plus. Um, but I, yeah, I use that literally just to annotate images. If I need to like stick an arrow on there pointing to something or, you know, draw a circle around something with a gradient or, um, and the, or the other reason I use it is because it's got a blur tool as well in Annotate Plus, whereas the def, the the stock markup app hasn't got hasn't got a blur option. I don't think anyway. Okay. Yeah, it's not a brilliant app, Annotate Plus. Uh, the interface is a bit bit messy, uh, mm. and it's not very polished. But it does the right job. Okay. What about music? What music service are you using? Um. So I'm subscribed to Spotify. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the main one that I'm using, and I only just re- recently subscribed to Premium. <laughs> yeah, and w- what a difference it makes! I, you know, it's all my playlists are on there. Um, if I'm playing on my playing anything on my laptop, um, it'll pop up on my phone, and I can continue listening on to my you know on my phone if I walk away from my laptop. Little things like that. Yeah, and it, it just makes sense. It just beats everything else that's out there. I think. Yeah, yeah, same Spotify user. I've got a Spotify family account, so I've got my, my wife and my brother and sister on it as well. Um, one thing I like about Spotify, which I don't think Apple Music does, is um, if it just finds devices on your network. So yeah. I've got a Spotify app on my TV. I've got it on my uh, my speaker dock. I've got my Amazon Echoes in the house. And um, yeah, it just finds them. If once I'm on the Wi-Fi, mm. um, you know, you don't need to put in any codes or anything like that. I remember I went to my um, my sister-in-law's house a few months ago, and um, she's got like one of these um, uh, like sound systems that's in every room in the house. It's not a Sonos; it's a similar sort of thing to a Sonos, but it's um, it's all sort of integrated in this one control unit which they've got in their kitchen, and then it streams to the whole house. And um, cool. yeah, because it's on the network, Spotify even found that. So I could just, wow. without doing any sort of setup, apart from getting onto their Wi-Fi network, I was able to stream my whole music around their whole house, which, nice. is, which is impressive. Um, so Spotify are doing good things. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, right, you've got, you've put gym and health and stuff on here. So obviously you're a bit of a, yeah. a health freak. I haven't got anything on there like that, apart from my Fitbit app, but... Yeah, I'll let you take this on. Yeah, I'll quickly go through these. So I've got three main gym and health, you know, related apps that I'm using. Um, my gym app's called Strong. 
um, I think it's a really popular one because whenever I'm at the gym, I can hear the, the countdown bell go off on everyone else's phone. So yeah, I know everyone's using it. But it's a really cool app. It's got a massive catalogue of workouts um, already installed on there. And you know, all you do is you just set up your workouts, um, set up your sets, your reps, your weights you're using. Um, it'll also tell you how to perform the exercise as well. So it has got a little uh, GIF animation in there. And that was sort of like, you know, playback and show you how to, you know, properly use the equipment and things like that. It also monitors how often you're training and you're, um, if you're increasing your weight during your sessions and you've obviously recording that, it'll create a graph and show you mm -hmm. um, or a chart or show your progress. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think I've used quite a few of these um, sort of training apps and, you know, fitness apps. And I think this is probably the best one out there. Um, I think it's free. Um, I I remember paying for premium um, subscription and I can't remember what it was for. I think it might have been for, um, it connects with a, um, I think it's MyFitnessPal. I think it connects with that. So when you log all your calories, when you're um, consuming your food and things, it kind of connects with it and it tells you how much calories you consumed and then your workout will show you how much calories you've burnt. So it kind of like works together with that package. So Strong is probably uh, the best uh, fitness app out there for you know average gym goers. I'll highly recommend it for anyone out there um, going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Also log their their workouts. Um, and the other one I just mentioned was My Fitness Pal, um, and that I'm not really using it much um, anymore. But I think it's good for anyone who wants to start monitoring what they're eating, um, just so that they can break their macros down and they know exactly how much to consume every day. And especially if you've got a personal trainer and your personal trainer is kind of telling you this is how much you need to be consuming each day, uh, MyFitnessPal will actually log that for you. So you can actually scan a, a barcode off, you know, uh, say a, a bag of sweet potatoes or a, a tin of tuna or chicken or whatever, and it will show you a list of the possible um, items that you could have purchased. So if you've got a, you know, a chicken breast from Tesco, for example, you can find that on there by weight. And then you just tap that and it will tell you how much, you know, proteins in that, carbs, fat, etc. And you add that onto your meal list that you've eaten. And then that at the end of the day, it will kind of give you a total of your calorie intake. So uh, MyFitnessPal is really powerful. And I think, again, it's not another one of these apps that everyone who's, you know, going to the gym and eating clean and things like that is using. And they work really well together. Um, so uh, that's that one. And then the third one um, is called Sleepo. And what this one does is, um, let me just load it up on my phone. Um, so what this one does, is it basically helps you to sleep. That's all it does. Um, and it'll, it's got one, two, three, four, five, sorry, four different um, sort of settings. So you've got, the first setting you've got is rain and water. But what I'm doing, because it's all audio, I'll be able to play something back on here. Uh, let's do, let me pick that up. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's rain, um, and then you can have like rain on an umbrella. So it's pretty cool. And then you can kind of like compose them, so you can have more than one playing at the same time. And um, so it, you can say you've got rain, you've got nature and forest. So you've got. Turn that off. Can you hear that? Yeah. yeah. 
so that's the general idea behind it. Um, rain and forest. You got city and household. I don't know why you'd want to fall asleep listening to city and household sounds. Well, it's probably for um, people who used to live in a city and moved to the country. True. Where they're used to having true. the hum of yeah. the city. Because I, I, I've experienced that. Because where I live now, it's very quiet. And um, I know. bet, yeah, your part of the world is very but, quiet. But, you know, I yeah. grew up in, in quite busy areas. So, um, yeah, I, I can see why that would be an appeal. Yeah, there's one here of a keyboard as well. Take this one out. Yeah, but yeah, that's... It's a pretty cool app, and every now and then I'll just because falling to sleep when you hear rain um, hitting your window is pretty soothing and relaxing. And if I've been working late and I'm having trouble sleeping, which happens at times, I'll just have that playing in the background, and I'll just knock out within minutes. And it's really cool. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Sleepo. I just had a look. Sleepo is only on Android, so um, yeah, I'll have a look for an iOS alternative. Yeah, have a look. It's cool, pretty cool. Wicked. Um, well, I think that's all of our categories that we've had listed. So um, I've got a couple of random ones which generally fit some honourable mentions. Um, yeah. So the first one is an app called Soundbrenner, which um, is basically a metronome for um, for playing music too. So I play, I'm learning piano at the moment and I also play um, percussion. So um, yeah, it'd be good to just sort of keep time now and then. And uh, the metronome that's built into my piano, uh, it's not it's not very good because uh, although you can change the time signature, um, you can't change the tone of the the downbeats. So, okay. so when you've got a four four time signature, it's just like tick 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 tick. But then when you change it to three four, you, it just sounds the same. It still sounds like tick 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 like that. So with Soundbrenner, you can um, you can put an accent onto whichever note you want whichever beat you want um so you can get a rhythm going um and it's visual as well so you can have the the phone in front of you and um the screen flashes slightly on the beat so even if you're right. playing like if you're playing drums for example it's going to be too loud for you to hear the click you can have a visual visual click happening um so yeah it's good app soundbrenner is that ios only um, I, I don't know. I'll have to check that. Um, obviously, in the show notes, we're gonna put links to all these apps in the show notes. And um, if uh, these apps have their own website, I'll put a link just to the website. Um, if not, then I will um put links to both iOS and Android if they're available. Um, I just found it on Android. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The Metrobone. Metronome by Soundbrenner. Yeah, yeah. So it's really good. Good app. And um, they've got a few products as well. Met, uh, Soundbrenner. They've actually got this. Um, they've got this watch which links up to the metronome, and uh, it vibrates on your wrist, at, along along oh. with the metronome beat. So again, good if you can't if you can't hear it or can't see it, then this way you can feel it. Um, obviously, I haven't invested anything like that, but the the phone um, the app itself is is free. Uh, there are some premium options that you can unlock on there, but you just you don't need a. It's got so many. F- so many different configurations for free. It's got different sounds, different time signatures. Yeah. Um, you can have different uh, tempo. Um, so there's, there's plenty of things you can configure. So if you do play music, it's really good. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, another one I've got is DS Get, which is uh, Disk Station. So I've got a Synology NAS in my house, a Synology Disk Station. Yeah. And the DS Get app is basically their BitTorrent client. 
So if I ever want right. to download some files from anywhere, then um, I can trigger that from my phone if, I, if I'm browsing and I find a link for something. And uh, it'll download straight to my Synology at home, which is quite handy. That is handy, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And they've got a... Um, the Synology has a Chrome extension as well, so when you're on the desktop, you can download files as well directly, then they'll just download to the disk station at home. Cool. Yeah, and the third one I use um, is called TimeHop, which is uh, you basically input, you, you connect it to your social media accounts, so your Facebook, your Twitter, um, you can connect it to your Dropbox as well, and you can connect it to your photo library, I believe. And um, what it does, it finds pictures from this day in previous years so it's just a just brings up reminders of things in the past which is quite cool quite funny sometimes um and then it gives you an opportunity to like if there's a photo of you from say five years ago you can do a then and now photo so it, it creates this frame where it puts that old photo on one side and then launches the camera right to for you to take a, a current photo on the other side and it labels them then and now and then obviously lets you share them so it's pretty cool time hop yeah android's got that built in um into the device with your photo gallery so it will yeah yeah pull out like an anniversary date and create an album for you there and then and you just yeah, flip through yeah it. i use google photos as well on my app on my phone and um to back mm. up my photos and yeah the the activity tab, I think it is, or the assistant tab. Yeah. Yeah, it brings up some nice stuff. But time up is pretty cool because it gives you not just um, your photos in history, it tells you some facts about, you know, on this day as well. I get you. Um, it has some ads in between. But it's good because it looks at your social accounts, not just your camera roll. So you can see, see old tweets and old Facebook posts that you made as well, which is quite interesting. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. How about you? You got any randoms? I've got just one that I've listed on there, and it's part of my reading uh, habit. <laughs> it's called Blinkist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, um, I don't know if you looked into it. I mentioned it last time when we spoke. Um, but it's essentially just short nonfiction, um, you know, fact-based reading. And essentially what it is, the Blinkist team, they'll um, read books, and then they'll identify, like, key insights and then explain them in easy to digest, you know, 15-minute uh, reads, if you like. Uh, and that's it. That's essentially it. So if you ain't got time to read a whole book, and you know, Blinkist, I've found, is very, very good at taking the most important elements of, of the book that you want to read and just kind of give it to you in a condensed sort of format. Yeah. Um, I think if you sign up, I think you get a few. I'm not too sure how many you get free, but you do get to read a few. Um, at no no cost, but then you need to subscribe um, to get the whole sort of catalogue, if you like. Um, okay. Yeah, so I've subscribed to it, and um, it just gets me to the habit of reading. That's all it is. Yeah. On that on that topic, just just as a aside, what's your view on reading? But reading just like a an excerpt like that or a summary. Do you feel like you've read the book when you haven't? And and also like uh, audio books as well. Would you class yourself as someone who's read that book if you listen to the audio version? I think it depends on the on the type of book it is. So if you're reading fiction, um, you, you're going to want to read the book, mm. right? This is more you know fact based kind of um, content which has been put together okay. by you know authors all over the web. Okay. So it, no, it's not necessarily stuff that's been published um, that you're getting hard hardback or you know whatever when, when your bookshop. 
it's generally content that people have been creating, you know, online, and it's obviously monetized um, for the authors, and you know, and I think it's just a great way of you know beating other people's stuff without having to like troll through everything. Right, right. So you can imagine, like, you use Medium, right? Yeah, um, grudgingly. Yeah, it's it's very similar to that in terms of the kind of content that's out there, um, but. You know this this content. You know it's all it's all vetted and you know it's all been checked thoroughly. And, and these guys are actually reading it themselves. So that the, the team are actually going through everything that's submitted, and then they'll you know put their ideas together and get the best out of it and just give it to you. Um, and I think yeah, it's down to the content. So back to what you're asking, I think it's purely down to the type of thing you're reading. If it's fiction, you can't really condense it. Yeah. You know, um, but this kind of stuff, yeah, I, it. it it makes sense, but it also makes me want to go and find, you know, the the whole thing and, you know, read the whole the whole book or the whole article, whole article, and and I, I guess that's a good thing. Hmm. Okay. Especially when you're reading. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, have a look, have a look. It's just got me into um, reading again because I, I kind of fell off reading books, and this is helping <laughs> me get back into it. That's what it is. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Right. Well, that covers all of our list. Um, just that. Wanted wonder do you, we said that we we're going to be t- picking our apps that we use the most often, um, not necessarily just any old apps. Do you all these apps that you mentioned? Do you keep these on your home screen or like at yeah. quite close to hand? They all yeah they're very easy to get to. So if there's no space, I don't think there's any space on my home screen for all of them. But the ones that I'm using the most are on there. Yeah, so I was thinking yeah. we could uh, take a screenshot of our home screens and. Um, Put those in the show notes as well. So if you want to upload yours somewhere, people get an idea of how you lay your lay your phone out. Um, yeah, my home screen is fine. It's everything else is a mess. So you'll have a heart attack when you see it. Yeah, well, actually, my home screen is a lot of these apps that I'm talking about. They're not even on my home screen because um, I've mainly got stock apps on my home screen, which is the ones that I use obviously a lot as well. Stuff like Safari, the Notes app, Reminders, Calendar. Um, they're the ones I reach to the most often, but. A lot of these are just on my second page or within a folder. Right. Yeah. What's the most expensive app you bought? Ooh, the most expensive app. I'm not sure, you know. I think it's got to be one of the games. Um, it might be Football Manager. Um, I think it was like £12, I, th- I think. I paid one off for it. Um, actually, no, tell a lie. It would be my fitness pal. Um, subscription yearly subscription it's about 20 something quid a year oh, okay yeah so that's probably the most expensive one yeah i think for me it's probably dark room although it wasn't expensive really it's only 9.99 mm. i think most of the apps are bought uh are around that same price so i don't think there's anything much more than that it's hard to remember what actually was a paid app now because yeah there's a lot in there which um you got in-app purchases as well which uh you know you forget about yeah exactly uh it's hard to remember which ones you actually paid for uh, mm. like ways ways is free isn't it i use ways yeah ways is free um i think most of these just looking through my list of, of apps most of them are free so yeah you get a lot for free these days just be grateful <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right brilliant well you know that's the end of our list so hopefully you know you'll find some inspiration and download some of these apps and give them a try and Hopefully some of them will become your favourites as well and uh, make it onto your home screen. All right, cool. Well, that's it for the show. Um, If you like the show, do consider subscribing in your podcast player and uh, leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. 
Um, you can follow us on Twitter at InspectFM. And you can check out the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes at inspect.fm. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah, see you then. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye.